0: Yo, ho ho, yo ho, 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 ho ho ho, yo ho, ho, yo ho ho. It's time, oh, to time to go,
1: time to go.
0: La 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 la. Back to the dungeon, back to the dungeon, the dungeon far d- below. There's a party time, to, time to die.
1: Ha 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 ha.
0: Man, I love to
1: watch, watch them, them cry. Ha
0: ha ha ha. Grab some dice.
1: la 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 la.
0: Grab some fun la la, la 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 join
1: the teacher's in the dungeon Hello everybody and welcome to Teachers in the Dungeon I am Tom Gross and joining me as always is my good friend and DM sometimes player sometimes Dan Reem Hello Dan
0: They moved us to separate compartments in the dungeon
1: Yes indeed Honestly, Dan, remember that pumpkin pie was sitting in here, and uh, <laughs> before they knew it, it was gone. And I think they thought it was one of us, probably me. So,
0: although you- I think they played a joke on you, I'm not sure that was pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Good pump. Good wow, pump. wow. Well, <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll just say it was yummy when I ate it. It was yummy when I ate it. <laughs> Like I was saying, (laughs) we've got a great show for you tonight. We have a returning guest with us, Adam Watson of Kentucky Educators for Role-Playing Games. And Adam, you've been on Teachers in the Dungeon several times. We had you on a formal interview like this uh, to begin with. And then you joined us at Gen Con this last August to uh, have some fun. And so we thought it'd be fun to have you back on tonight. How are you?
2: I am great, and I am so flattered and thankful to be back on the air with you kind folks. Uh, Although, you know, the dungeon is is a bit drafty, but the company is warm. (laughs)
1: So
2: I'm ready to talk and hang out with you guys. I'm so excited.
1: Yes. Well, I should have started by saying happy holidays, you guys.
0: Yeah, happy holidays.
1: Yeah. Well, so I guess with that, with that set, what made me think of it is Adam, you mentioned it's a little drafty in here. It is, it is chilly. You know, Dan, they, they had a uh, snow in a forecast here in the near future. So uh, get your boots, oh, okay. your galoshes <laughs> all uh, set up or your fur boots and fur cape. I know you've got a fur cape. Uh, over there for when you who, step out who of the dungeon, really. Hey, well, right, I know, I know. Well, I don't have the gold for it, so well, anyway, with the holidays in mind, we've got we're going to start by talking to Adam about what he's been up to, but but before we get to that, I just want to preview the rest of the show. We're gonna we, we're doing a series, this is the beginning, the kickoff. I guess actually, the kickoff was on Good Friday or Good Friday for heaven's sakes on Black Friday. Uh, uh Dan, if you missed it, Dan and different. I did, did our annual top gifts for your players or DMs. And so if you have not heard that, go back and check that out. And so through the month of December, we're going to do gift-based shows where we talk about things that would be good to buy a player or new products out or things like that. So it's going to be a product-heavy month, trying to give people ideas of what to get, You know that loved one that loves the games or someone sits at the table with you every week or every month, those sorts of things. So we're going to get into that a little bit later. Our topic will be um, the top three things to purchase for a teacher who is wanting to get role-playing started in the classroom or as a game club. So we'll get to that in a little bit. But Adam, I wanted to start by asking, what have you been up to? I've seen a lot of social media posts on your uh, Twitter account. And so you got a lot to say, I think. Uh, well, I, maybe a few things. I'm going to
2: try. You know, I want to get to the gifts. I'm as excited to talk about the gifts as I would be <laughs> gifts. I'll speak briefly. I guess thinking forward from GenCon, that that would catch us up maybe from the last yeah. time we had a major conversation on on the show. So in August, uh, Kyed RPG celebrated its first year anniversary. So we were excited about that. <laughs> uh, we being me, but we. <laughs> Well, we talked briefly about this several months ago, but there's a we in the sense that there's lots of good friends that are contributing some awesome stories that I help capture and celebrate. So there, there is that we, but as an organization, it's the me. Yeah, it's one year anniversary. Really excited about that. Um, as far as the website itself, one of the things that we have started is a Discord, and I keep using the word we. So that's exciting, you know, to try to, in that world, and then as a social media, that's a new stretch for me as far as with, with that. So that is something that I'm excited about. As far as visiting some classrooms, I've had some great opportunities. There's an old friend, uh, Justin Gad, that I have been fortunate to highlight and discuss and share some things on our website, but the real fun was I was got I had an opportunity to actually visit him in his classroom, and it's Wonderful! Like you know, first off, there's these nice little touches of you know Dungeons and Dragons poster here, a quote from Lord of the Rings over there, and but more than that, just seeing some opportunities he has to kind of incorporate a little role playing game aspects. He has a, a little personalized learning paths that he has created through some structures, and so one of the things that was fun was he was talking about the students, these these um, middle school students of his social studies, were about to go on the Silk Road, right? And I was like, that sounds like a great opportunity to do some gaming. And he said, mm. well, you're you're catching the drift of that. Yes, that's something he was expecting to, to try to accomplish. So anyway, it's exciting to see that he's continuing those kind of adventures of, of putting things like that in his classroom. Um, another teacher that I uh, saw in the classroom for the first time was a gentleman named Chad Collins from Spencer County Middle School. Uh, Justin is from Shelby County Public Schools and Marnell C. Mormon. But uh, Chad Collins is a Spencer County Middle School teacher, and he really going full gusto. He has an academic team elective class that he's partnering with two other teachers, and he created a whole gaming structure around it where students do activities and quests to earn experience points. There's kind of some must-dos and may-dos as far as the type of activities that they do. The path that they choose is kind of like a, what we would probably need to think of as a class, and so he's... Really doing some interesting things, and the students are doing some really wonderful work in that frame. In fact, he's doing so much that about the only thing he hasn't done quite yet is do an actual gaming experience. But sure enough, we were talking about um, that, and he was talking about he wanted to find more ways for students to collaborate, and so that was kind of a next thing. He's like, maybe we'll have them, you know, do like in a group of four or five. Maybe they'll they'll have some mini quests, and that's kind of the next level stage that he might try to uh, incorporate into his classroom. So. Lots of exciting stuff. The last thing I'll just say really quick is that it is the season coming up on December 12th. I'll be co-facilitating an opportunity to uh, have a play-based learning PD. It's a one-day PD and it's free for the people in our region. Yes, tabletop role-playing games and education will be one of the things throughout the day that we will definitely experience and, and share and discuss. So lots of fun stuff. And it's just exciting to keep finding people and friends that are doing that kind of work and excited to hear more about it. So...
1: That is really cool. So I have a question about the, the two role-playing experiences in the classrooms. Yeah. Um, do they do they use an experience point base to let kids like raise in levels and give them extra perks or anything in the classroom? Or did you catch up? Did, did are are they at that level?
2: Uh, to a degree. I think that by if I remember correctly, with Chad Collins, for example, the idea is that the experience points is a way of just tracking kind of their accomplishments. It's not quite their grade. The quality of the work, I think, is still what necessitates what their quote-unquote grade is going to be. Sure. But one of the things that I know that happens that was fun to see and watch, actually, when I came and visited them, is when they do an activity, let's say, for example, they do a little review and they use a website called, I'm going to call it GimKit. Some people call it GimKit. It's kind of like the GIF GIF thing, right? But it's a little website that... (laughs) do a little bit for free, a, a little bit more if you pay. He happens to have a paid license thanks to his school. You know, it's basically like the, the, the students are doing and answering questions. that have an academic basis, kind of in a review kind of quality. As they do, they gather points and, and so on in these little mini games that they do. But they keep track of that. And so what they do is that at the end, you know, they have a first, second, third place. And mm-hmm. uh, thanks to a little leaderboard thing that's built in. And they actually have, I mean, I was, you know, it's funny. It's, it's in the end, it's, it's basically just like little jars of, of goodies, but they actually roll a D20 and, you know, they have a chart. And so the higher the, the roll, the better jar you're going to be able to pull a thing out of. And so that was just delightful. Like they had these, these middle school students, you know, rolling a D20 and I got a 17, woo, you know, and they opened up that nice jar of, of things anyway it's 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 a small gamified a- aspect but what was really fun to see is, is just even on levels like that how the accoutrements of role-playing were being uh, brought in and, and really how excited the kids were the the students were really into it they really got into this system which is always the question you know you always think well maybe five or ten would with 30 mm-hmm. and and certainly the vibe of the classroom when I watched it and visited with them was of all types and And uh, interest levels, I'm sure, but they all seem to appreciate the system.
1: Very nice. I wanted to make sure that I I don't want to forget that, Dan, you just completed a game type project and activity in your human geography classes. And by the way, folks, this is these are the kinds of things you catch on the discord because this was (laughs) we brought this up. Yes. On the Discord uh, this last weekend, but then tell us a little bit about your project in human geography with games and um, and and gaming <laughs> building games. Yes, this was the best
0: uh, year set of games my kids had actually created, and I think it did really help to bring them up to the library and have our very own game club uh, sponsor, Mister Gross, set out some games that show some different different mechanisms. So. Catan, boy, we got a lot of mileage out of that. We did. Kids, a lot of kids said a lot of those kids had never heard of it, and they sat down and they they really enjoyed it. And we had several kids that were able to take that mechanic and use it in games. I told the kids I would run screaming into traffic if I had to look at one more Candyland knockoff. <laughs> so they uh, <laughs> <laughs> they uh, they needed to they needed to up their game, literally. And, yep. and they did. They, they had a lot of really creative. I got my wheels turning already for next year, how to make this even better. So
1: mm. yeah, they did a nice job. Yeah, it, it is awesome. Because this is this third year or second year we've done that in the library. I can't remember. Second year in the library.
0: It's the third okay. or fourth that I've done the project.
1: Okay. And I will say, you know, so what's fun is we you, Dan you alluded to it is we bring the kids up about two weeks before the the final project of theirs is complete, uh, and we let them play the games and they kind of rotate around and they can look and see what's there and what interests them and so what we this year we put out uh, Settlers of Catan Risk yeah a couple games of Risk because your game is map based being human geography so we thought it'd be good for them to at least see a game that that uses a map. A game called Castle Panic, Hmm. which is a cool collaborative game where you try to keep your tower that's in the middle from crumbling by monsters that are coming from all sides, which is cool. And I like the collaborative aspect of that. Mm -hmm. And we put out Dungeon Mayhem, which is a card game up to four players. um, And you just go at it. You just go at each other and throw cards down and damage and do everything you can to get people out. And, and I thought it was really cool that we saw, I feel like we saw elements of every one of those in one fat in one way or another. Yeah, I would say you're right. The the collab, not the collaborative, but the competitive, but the trade mechanic of settlers of Catan really caught on this year. And that was really cool to see. And this year, man, you had you had several games, several groups that created just visual. Games and and we we mentioned this we mentioned this while we were kind of assessing the games while they while the kids are playing them I remember coming over to you and I said I said if there is a fault if there's a positive fault that some of the kids did in some of these games it was they really dove in deep to try to have a, a complex game and it was just you know it was just too much they yeah. they just couldn't they put together a nice idea. But the mechanics were so complex that that you know, a professional would struggle to, you know, polish that.
0: On a on a side note, it gave me just a, a renewed appreciation for people who design board games for a living and some of those people we saw at the play test in Gen Con, that it's one thing to have an idea, yes. but if it's not something that people can grasp at least relatively quickly and get it in play, it's not happening. You know, you've, mm-hmm. you've you've got to, uh, there's so many moving parts to making a good game. It's, it's a great balance, right? Because,
2: you know, you think about, you know, that phrase of, you know, learn an afternoon, you know, can't mask, cannot master in a lifetime, right? Like, you know, chess Mm -hmm. is a fantastic Mm -hmm. example of, if you think about it, it takes five minutes probably to teach you that the horsey moves this way and, you know, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and you could play it for 30 years and still not quite get it kind of thing. So it's, it's, Yeah. um, yeah. I, Dan, I'm, I'm right with you as far as that, the idea of like, where, where's the balance? So I, I can't, I just love the ambition though. I love that these uh, high schoolers, right? And that these high schoolers it, um, mm-hmm. you know, and they weren't just like, you know, one, two, three, four, like you said, a candy land. <laughs> they really, they they tried something ambitious. That's That's awesome.
0: It warmed my teacher's heart just to see them. They had quite a bit of class time, which is usually a license for, oh, we'll leave it to the last minute. And they didn't, like they in class were, just the minute I released them, they just zoom together and start talking and chattering and kind of planning how they wanted to do things. So it
1: was, I think it was a good experience for him. Awesome. All right. Well, I think it's time to move into our segment of the show where we're going to talk about our uh, gifts before you go and give, before you mention your first uh, gift, I would like to give sort of the context of where you built this list around. Is it? Are you thinking more classroom? Are you thinking more club? Uh, do you have someone someone's room or something you know in mind? Uh, what was the context for building it? And then go ahead and give your first gift idea for a teacher who is uh, looking to start role play in the classroom or the or a, a club. And Adam being the guest, I'm going to start with you and then we'll go Dan and me. So Adam, have at it.
2: Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, quick context, as you asked for, um, I was mainly thinking of trying to lean into the classroom itself. So that was kind of my mm-hmm. context, not necessarily a particular content or grade level. When I was picking mm-hmm. these different things, I was trying to be a little bit open-minded that they could be used, you know, in a fourth grade classroom, a 10th grade classroom, social studies, science, like there's some possibilities there. So that was my thinking. Okay. Uh, and with that, i go going to my first choice. I, I will tell you that I'm kind of going in an order from really recommended to really, 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 really recommended. There you go. So that's my, <laughs> that's my, that's my choice. The first one. Um, so my first one is, and I'm showing this, I know it's a, it's a podcast, but it's a visual I just want to show here. The Dungeons and Dragons Stickerology book that recently came out. I picked this up as an impulse buy. I'm very glad that I did. It's about $16, uh, suggested retail. So inside the book, it's interesting on a couple different levels. Now, I personally am a fan of stickers. And from teaching in a high school classroom, I quickly picked up on the fact that, you know, 17-year-olds seem to love stickers. Too. Like, stick everyone loves stickers, right? <laughs> like, it is hilarious to me. Because, uh, I oh, you know, mm-hmm. I, all, I mean, in the past, in other kinds of stickers, I'd be like, you really couldn't care less that I give you a smiley face. They would beg for smiley face sticker. you know yeah Back to the book, though. <laughs> Dungeon Dragon Stickerology. So the nice thing about this book... Is that on one level it serves as a good introduction to like the legends and lore of the game, the legends and lore of the game. You know the different mm-hmm. types of monsters and creatures and races and classes and so on. So you can flip through it for that kind of quote unquote value of picking up the game. And the st- but the stickers themselves are just fun for sticker's sake, right? Um, so stickerology. But let me explain as far as where I think it could be useful. So first off, I think that it's to go with the thing i was just talking about it's a great token of achievement at any grade level right or any any age level so mm-hmm. you know you could just give a thumbs up sticker but why do that when you could you know have a a mimic with its tongue lolling out i mean that would be much more fun right so you got a token of achievement idea you could use these if you wanted to be so a dispensary of doing them you could set up like on a grid or something like that the stickers are different places you could do some mathematical stuff with that. You could do some critical thinking of if the if the dragon was here and your uh, high elf bard was there, and then the entrance was over there. How might you cross the room to get to the th- like those kind of situations? Mm. Thanks to like laying out the stickers. So obviously decoration for decoration sake fun too. But that's where I think that there's multiple ways you could utilize this. Everything from getting used to the game with some of its aspects to creating some strategic maps to tokens of achievement.
1: Excellent. Nice. I love it. All right, Dan,
0: I sort of lean toward the notion of probably someone starting a game club, although this could work for a classroom teacher. My line of thought was if you're starting this, you're going to have to be the DM. For some people that might be a bit daunting. So I tried to think of resources for a person in that situation. So I, I assumed that everybody would know about the basics, the player's handbook, that sort of thing. So I'm going next tier from that. Um, actually, the first the first thing I'm actually stealing Tom from our my list of things to buy people for Christmas. But yeah. I think one thing an a individual starting a game club having to DM for the kids you need a book of NPCs. I think you need to have a resource to quickly be able to generate those things. I like creating those characters, but it bogs me down. If I know I have to run a session and the clock is ticking, I need to have things like that that kind of can provide shortcuts. So there's plenty of them out there. k Limitless, Adventures... I, I kind of lean toward the third party ones. I think they've got some some fun things to offer. So that's my first first recommendation.
2: I love that series. You all were talking about that a few weeks back. Um, yes, about how NPCs. You know the power of of that, you know uh, vivid ones, and memorable ones. I, I have several of those of that very series. Tom.
1: Yeah, the Game Master's uh, book of and non non-player characters by Jeff Ashberg is the one I was looking at, but yes, I'm totally with you, Dan on the third party. That's a great place to get that because you know, those, the third party companies have have, we've, and we've talked about this on the show before they have a little bit of leniency to kind of think outside the box sometimes on those NPCs or even monsters and they can do a little tongue in cheek and have some fun or they Mm can kind of go crazy and Sometimes go really dark or (laughs) powerful Mm -hmm. or something like that. So I love it. NPCs can be a real challenge, bugaboo. All right. So the context of mine is more so in the realm of being in a library as a librarian, looking at a club or helping a teacher to get started doing something in the classroom. So my first one. Uh, Adam, I think you mentioned, you mentioned this in talking about using the stickers on one of these. And I think a great gift for a teacher who's starting a club or doing something in the classroom is a, is a set of glossy maps with the, uh, dry erase markers. We just recently bought a set of those, uh, Dan, you had recommended them. And I was like, you know what, let's do it because what we'd been using in Game Club, and this was a great idea when we didn't have much of a budget or even really a budget at all. In fact, Chris Metz, our, our friend, Rick's in uh, our original campaign, he started by using a poster board, putting a grid on the poster board, laminating it, and it was great. But if you have the opportunity to purchase something for a teacher, librarian, whatever, who's starting a club, these maps, they just, they just kind of bring the table to life. And they have different, I wish I could remember the, the name, the name of the company that we bought ours from, but they come in a tube and I think there's three maps or three sheets and they have the terrain on the, on both mm-hmm. sides of every map. And so I think there's like a, a coastal map where you got half water, half um, that you could use a river or uh, an ocean coast. There's the snowy one, there's a rocky one, there's one that has some ruins, and and it just, it brings it to life. But like you said, Adam, you know, there's something about putting a grid in front of kids and oh, yeah. asking them what is the quickest way or making them think about, hey, you've got an obstacle here, what are the options? And talk about critical thinking because every kid at the table could come up with a different way, and in some instances, of how to get from A to B or how to shoot an arrow from A to B. And, uh, and I think there's a lot to go into that with discussion and other types of things. And so I think maps are a really important part of getting a club or a RPG started in your classroom. I love that. Am I next? You, we're back to you. Okay,
2: listen this is why I love this podcast and I love the both of you because there's synergy going on right now. There's synergy <laughs> because you couldn't have gave me a better segue for my next one on my list. So Excellent. Um, <laughs> uh, and this is also a Gen Con reference. So when I went to Gen Con and I was walking the, uh, the exhibit floor, I came across a company I hadn't seen or been aware of before. And that's where, that's where I fell in love with them. Uh, it's a company called Loki Battle Mats. Loki Battle Mats. They have great books like you're describing that like open flat. Uh, they have even some decal kind of vinyl stickers that are reusable. So it's like if you want a tree right here, <laughs> slap it down. But that oh, also smart. Yeah. Yeah. Here. And of course, it's um, dry erase marker um, friendly. So there's all of those things. But the specific exi- example that I want to present from Loki Battle Mats is something called The Calendar of Many Adventures. This is brilliant, and this is what it is. So, every month that you flip open, the top half is a gridded battle map, you know, like a, a little bit of maybe i I don't know the exact size, of it, but let's just go with maybe a little bit bigger calendar than normal calendar size, right? So, you have this little area. This could be a, a crypt that's crumbling, could be an outside around a brook, but you've got each month as a different uh, scenario map. And here's the one up for there. There's even a PDF download that each of these months come with like a little mini adventure. So not only do you have this that you could use in any way you like, use your imagination, Hmm. but one shot adventure information that you could use with that very January and then the February and so on. So what I love about this is that it's the practical thing. As a teacher, I always appreciate having another calendar that I could mark the dates or plan the thing with. So, I mean, there's, of course, that aspect of it as a calendar. But if you don't want to wait for the whole year, you can just rip those puppies up Right. <laughs> you would have 12, you know, decent sized little maps. And imagine that in a classroom setting, for example, like you could deal them out like cards, each group of three or four people, you know, and with with some leftover for extras. You could really paint and have some scenarios and some gaming situations from that. So I, I love I like I said, I like the, like the company a lot. I bought some of their mats just for, for fun and for gaming. But that calendar of many adventures for about 16 bucks or so is a great entry to get 12 maps that are decent. Mm-hmm. About three desks or four desks centered around each other size without it getting too big or expensive.
1: I'm just, I'm just thinking about that. Okay. So, okay. Way off top. I mean, this is, that's not off topic, but it's way out here left field idea. So you've got that calendar in your classroom. You could do this elementary, middle or high school. And I'm thinking probably a language arts class, but wouldn't have to necessarily be, but you've got that hanging in front of the classroom. And, and what if the beginning of each month was either RPG day or creative writing day, and you reveal that map of November to your class and you say to them, write a story that happened here, yeah. or, or it could be something like describe this, this uh, setting that you're looking at and what creatures or what. Animals or, you know, something like that. And I'm just saying d- to build the anticipation and then maybe they could do some, some kind of play or share their, not, not a play like acting play, but they could, they could play a game then using that on that first day or the second day of the month. But you could use that throughout the month in different sorts of ways. But that reveal at the beginning of every single month—imagine how excited the kids would be to come right. back after. Yes, yeah, after Christmas break. <laughs> how many? How many kids are excited to come back after Christmas break? But but if they know they're going to see a new map and get to do some fun activities with it, that could be a pretty cool a, way to use that. That'd be that'd be cool. I'm so glad you talked about that.
2: Yeah, it's it's fun. I'm I'm probably treating myself to that one. Nice. Nice. In case anyone's listening, don't buy that for me. I've got. (laughs) (laughs)
1: All right, Dan, you're up the bat.
0: Sure. I'm continuing my theme. So, uh, if you are a newish DM for a a game club, you have to have NPCs. And it can be daunting to have to run enemies, monsters. Mm -hmm. So, I'm uh, pulling out another one that has been in our past, Tom, but uh, yeah. is at least as far as discussion, is I say get uh, a copy of The Monsters Know What They're Doing by Keith Ammon, where he yeah, goes that's... through and tells you, just kind of fills you in from the monster side of things. So he talks about based on stat blocks uh, and such where you're likely to find a monst- any given monster, what their motivations are going to be, how they're going to fight. You know, are they going to be a sniper? Are they going to just charge ahead? Are they smart enough to try to get disengage and get away? All of those sorts of things. And he writes in a highly entertaining style as well. So it's just fun to read very tongue in cheek, but very useful as far as if you're just
1: trying to suss out how a combat ought to go. That's great. That is, you introduced me to that book and I, it is an amazing read. It is so cool. I like all the str- – like he goes through different chapters or different levels of strategy to that. Adam, have you experienced that book?
2: I've not. I've heard you all talk about it on the podcast, so I kind of got it on a short list of things to, to check out. I'm curious about
0: it. He does have a website where you can read a lot of his entries, and it's just called The Monsters. I think it's the TheMonstersNo.com yeah. or something like that. That's it's a little, a little bit shorter. Yeah. But he is, he is highly entertaining. He is very funny with his characterizations of these various beasties.
2: I think, I think one of those things that I've learned as much from you all talking about these things and made me think better and differently about is that I've recently started playing D and D again, but as a player and it's given me confidence that at some point in the future, perhaps trying to DM. And one of the things that that book seems to go to the heart of is that I probably, if you had asked me to DM, I don't know, even five or 10 years ago, I probably would have been like, here's this hunk of meat slash at it. Great. It's zero (laughs) hits. You know, let's move on. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And and what I love about that book in particular, just some of the things you shared and talked about is that obviously that's, I mean, you know, you roll the dice and, and it just becomes so banal, you know, the monster, if you can charge the monster with life and a personality and it has its desires and objectives too. And, and some of them, you know, actually do have intelligence that may be higher than the characters right like playing into mm-hmm. those aspects i think over the long run you know characters or uh, players would appreciate that right so anyway i uh, love that, love that in the other book
1: excellent did that does that come to me dan was that yours yes yep okay next. short you- short memory short memory i think i think the goblins need to give me some water i think i'm drying up here and Yeah, so
2: I think I think there's something about that. (laughs) (laughs) yeah, some side effects,
1: shall we say? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I'm okay. My I'm gonna save my second one because I am wondering if Dan's gonna drop it as his number one, and I don't want to steal that from him. And since I go after you, if you don't then that would be my number one. So we'll go with that. <laughs> all right. So something else, when I think about our first year of bringing Dungeons & Dragons into our game club, one of the things that we, we had to share all the time was, and this is my number two, is not my Wild Bill's <laughs> mug. Uh, it's the dice. It's the dice that are inside of my Wild Bill's mug. I think having dice of all different sorts. And what I mean by that is, Dan, do you remember when we were doing the role play with your class a couple of years ago and you had a table, I had a table and you pulled out that giant six-sider? I mean, it was a huge cube dice and you pulled it out for that like special roll. I mean, I watched the kids, all the kids, like it got quiet. And the, and the tension was high and you pulled out that big one so that everybody could see the result of the roll i just thought that was great and so having different size dice having you know multiple sets of of a dungeons and dragons set but then also having you know a ton of six-siders because you just never know what kind of dice you need and and as much as as much as our kids buy their dice, so anymore, our kids that are in our Dungeons and Dragons, they've got their own dice. They, you know, they've they've gone on Amazon or they've gone over to our local store, uh Zeke's to pick up a set of dice, but they are high school kids and they're, you know, and they are forgetful. <laughs> and yes. they show up and they're uh, Mr. Gross, can uh can I get, can I get do you have your dice handy? I'm like, always, always. And so I think I have about 12 sets of dice for our game club. And I've got a bag of six-siders, probably about, I don't know, 18 of them. And then since we just started playing Dungeon Crawl Classic, we have the Dungeon Crawl Classic special dice. And when Marvel comes out with their (laughs) 616 dice, I'll definitely buy those. Um, Right now they're just using the bicycle six-sided dice. But I just think, you know... it might be something to the teacher that is planning all of this, thinking, Oh, the kids will have their their dice, or I'll just buy a couple sets of dice. Help them out. Help them out with those extra sets. and uh, and not and I'm not even suggesting becoming a dice goblin. You know, depending on the size of your club or the size of uh, the number of kids in your classroom, if you've got six tables of a game going on in your classroom or six activity uh, spaces where they might use dice for chance or learning learning about that, it's good that each one of those has a set of dice for them. And you can, I mean, I always recommend looking for your local game store. They would love to help you out. And they've got cool sets of dice there. But if 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 the money is where it's at, then go to Amazon. You can find a lot of dice for really reasonable prices that are, you know, they're not the super fancy metal ones, but they're, they're functional and they do what the kids need them to do. So don't forget about the dice. That's, that's such a basic item, but you know, if they're starting out, it's nice to have those extra sets. And well, it's nice to show the kids that you've bought in. So dice is my number two.
2: Well, I love the equity of that, Tom, because you think about that. I mean, I know dealing with, with, you know, being a high school teacher, uh, classroom teacher, it's been some years, but kids, not because they mean badly, but, you know, getting, keeping them in pencils, right? <laughs> right. But there really is an equity question sometimes of, you know, they want to play, but they don't have that $20 mm-hmm. extra to get the, the nice set or whatever. So anyway, yes, I love the idea that you got the materials, you know, don't worry about that. You just come, we'll play.
1: Yep. All right.
2: All right, is it my turn again? It is you. All right, I'm so excited about this one. And and again, um, I'm getting a little sentimental here because this is something that I found out and learned with you all. So as I talk about it, you're going to be like, I want you to recall back to Gen Con, okay? <laughs>
1: okay, we were, we were, <laughs> excellent, I love it.
2: <laughs> we were walking around a little trade show floor of different people hawking their wares, as it were. Uh, we came across a table and there was it was full of small metal jars, and I was like, "What could this possibly be? You know, is it dice? Is it something else?" And it was the uh, the vendor uh, is Oddfish Games, and mm-hmm. the product that I want to talk about is Adventure Sense as an S C E N T S as in smell,
1: mm-hmm. right?
2: And <laughs> I was like, "This is delightful," you know. Um, so of course, we started opening them up and you know taking sample sniffs and. It's a fascinating line. And and it even got my wheels turning as I was standing there about what are some ways that this could be useful. So first off, let me make sure I'm I'm explaining well. Um, These are scented beads that come in 60 different varieties. I mean, they have a lot of different types. The beads themselves, Oddfish Games sells them in different things. There's like little sachets, uh, sachets, little, you know, they have a locket. But the one that seems most practical for what I'm about to talk about are like screw lid jars, right? Of these different scents, the idea of it is, from a strictly pure gameplay attitude about it, it's it's a wonderful way to immerse the players in the middle of the scene, right? So imagining for a moment that, you know, you open the room of the dungeon The lights are dim, even in in your dark vision, things are grayish tones. You see some humanoid sculptures, is it, across the way, across the wall? One seems to be cracked open and a smell. And then you would open up the scent jar and let all the kids take a whiff. And it's a mummy's tomb, right? (laughs) And what a wonderful way to like immediately bring that to life. I I will always love and appreciate when you talked about uh, several, several podcasts ago, but about having games with 12 and under, you know, kiddos. And I think this is a universal. It's not just 12 and unders, having the manipulatives, like it gives you a physical like plastic jewels and things like that really give them a sense of, of, of belonging and immersion into the game. Well, these scents I think are fantastic. So from a purely gaming perspective, I think that that's, that's wonderful if you have a lot of them on, you know, <laughs> here's the moldy tomb, here's the whatever. But as far as in a, in a bigger educational sense, I see a lot of different ways you could do this. So yes, games and immersion in games. But imagine, for example, that you had a, a station rotation and you are talking about Egypt, Egypt the pharaohs, mummification, all those aspects, right? But when they go to a certain learning station, you unscrew the lid of the jar, and there's desert caravan, right? There's fertile farmland. These are actual scents, by the way. Fertile farmland, <laughs> you know, like the <laughs> Nile. And of course, yeah, mummy's tomb, like the mummification thing. Well, the kids smell them, and then... Write a little reflection at that station of, you know, what did that make you think of? How did that help your what you know, locking in, and I guarantee that's wonderful ways that you're gonna lock in a learning experience that they're gonna remember and they're gonna definitely talk about when they get home, like I smelled a mummy, you know, that kind of thing. Um <laughs> there like I said, there's a long list, and if you go to Oddfish Games' a uh, website, they have all the all of them listed out, and they have some some really whimsical ones. I mean, there's for example, there's one called Baron Moon that has a big descriptive uh, thing that's a nod to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. What I love about the, the uh, descriptions is that along with the little blurb, it has keynotes, like you think about for wine. So like Baron Moon's <laughs> keynotes, <laughs> Baron Moon's keynotes are chalky dust and bitter loneliness. Um, <laughs> right? They have, they have uh, Mayan Mayan temple, which by the way, Talk about bringing history to life. Like you talk about the Mayans, yeah. but then you like, what, what does a mind temple smell like? Well, here's an idea. Their key notes are copal, which is a Mexican ritual incense that they have. Cocoa and chili peppers is, is the key notes. So again, it's just the idea of, of immersion. But the lovely thing is, is that yes, it's great for a role-playing game and I'd love to do it with that. But there's, there's lots of ways that you could, you know, a mystery scent, So maybe you with a post-it note or some painter's tape, you cover up the jar. They can't see the icon to figure out what it is. But the the deal is, is take one of the three, you know, pass them around, take a whiff of number one, two or three, write that number on your piece of paper or or type it on your Google Doc. What does that make you think of? Write a short poem, write a descriptive paragraph. It's just a fun Mm -hmm. way I think of like bringing the senses alive in a way, in a sense I would normally think of. I don't normally think of sense of smell (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) possibilities, but adventure sense. Uh, they're like about the jars are about $15 each. So check out odd fish
0: games.
1: That I I love the carousel
0: idea of it. Even I say you've inspired me. I, I, I bought some of those for my games at home, but I hadn't thought about bringing them in for the group at school. I think I'll have to do that this next Wednesday. Tom is, uh, bring some of those in. I had the candles. I'm like, well, I can't bring those. Can't, But I do have now the beads. Yeah. I can imagine uh, my students looks on their faces when they have to smell the interior of the wizard's decaying hovel that he's hiding in. <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: I, I, I think it's fabulous. And to your point, you know, there are people that I've seen prior that have candles with, with role-playing game uh, themed scents. I've even seen wax melts that do the same but all those aren't really practical as, as fast as you could open up the jar and take a sniff. Right. And, and all the safety concerns at a school classroom kind of situation too. So yeah, I thought it was, I think odd fish games hit on something there. It's a, it's a brilliant idea.
1: All right, Dan, number one. Yeah.
0: My number one is, is not nearly as creative. It's much more prosaic pragmatic. I figure a, a, a new, a teacher that's trying to DM for the first time Wants this club to go well, you've got your book of NPCs, you've got, you know, how monsters function. I would say you need a nice, approachable, actual published adventure to use to really kind of lead kids in. And I do think the last Lost Minds of Fandelver fills that role very well. You know, I'm more of a homebrew person myself, but uh, I have a friend that played us through. Fendelver. And what I noticed is he was a new DM and he, he adhered pretty closely to it at first, but it, as an adventure, it does provide a lot of jumping off spots mm-hmm. and opportunities for you to sort of exercise your creativity. And he's, he's gone crazy with it. We just got, we, we ended up being out on pirate ships for our last encounter. Uh, in a major sea battle, so nice. it's a long way from goblins trying to uh, ambush us on a road in our first encounter. So, I think that would be a good good starting point for a new teacher DM.
2: And you know what scent would go perfectly with that is a pirate ship adventure scent, which they make. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you would have had all the senses just, engaged.
0: Just. Put it in a care package for the, your your special someone who is going to be damning for the first time. <laughs> That's right. <true.
1: laughs> you know when we were coming right out, when we were coming out of the COVID restrictions and things like that with that group, I I I did the Fendalver adventure, and what I loved about it was you know we. <laughs> We a never knew who was going to be there and who wasn't going to be there, and b we were never sure if we'd be there for the next <laughs> for the next session or not. And so, what I loved about Fandelver was all the little mini adventures that you would go on and come back, and you go on and you come back, and it was a constant come and go, so that you could almost finish one adventure in yeah not at the hour and a half that we had but if we had an extra half hour if you can almost do one of those adventures in 2 hours and then you come back mm-hmm. and whoever's here next time well let's go on another adventure from Fendover and so it yeah. it it is it is very well done as far as and that's the that's the what set is that from it's not the basic what's the name of that set um starter set oh it's the starter set yes
2: before, before the essentials yeah, that came out later. But yeah, because that's the one I bought. That's when I got back into 5E. Um, um, you know, I figured, well, you know, that's, I guess I should start somewhere. That makes sense. Use a starter set when you can yeah, say, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll drop my last one. And then, Adam, I know you had, a, did you have an honorable mention or did we, did we use it up?
2: I, you know, it's funny. You mentioned the dice. So the only thing I'll say really quick is that yes and to that thing is that uh, different companies have foam dice, some large, extra large mm-hmm. size. And some like, you know, bigger than your your typical dice set. But foam dice might be an interesting approach to a little bigger so it doesn't quite get as lost. Uh, I guess I'm always thinking that people are going to wing something at somebody, you know. And maybe foam dice (laughs) would feel a little less damaging, you know. So anyway, that was my my honorable mention I didn't have to necessarily worry about because I got all three of my main ones in.
1: Cool. I love (laughs) it. Dan, did you
0: have an honorable mention? This was an, an excellent topic and one that I really struggled with it took me a while to find my angle and once i did three was all i could come up with so all right
1: so my honorable mention i'll do that before i do my last one and then and then we'll uh close out and let adam out of the dungeon (laughs) but my my honorable mention is it goes back to when i talked about the buy-in show the kids you've got buy-in and help help your teacher friend or sponsor of a club show buy-in to the game and the genre by buying them some books that are not necessarily for the game, but they inspire the game. So look for fantasy books like the Ari Salvatore books or the Dragonlance books, or we've just recently talked to Jim Zub and Stacey King and Andrew Wheeler about the Young Adventurers guides that are aimed at middle school but i'm telling you anybody anybody could just uh, younger than middle school could at least look at the pictures and get a gist and high school kids i think would enjoy it just as much as a middle school kid but 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 those to me those types of things show buy in that hey i want to run a DD game look at these resources that i have for inspiration so that's my honorable mention my number 1 goes to Again, these are people that we talk about all the time. And I'm going to go with your theme, Dan, of it's not, you know, the biggest, the biggest fear of starting a Dungeons and Dragons group is who's going to run this thing? <laughs> you know, I don't know how to do it, but I want the kids to be able to do it. But the kids probably may not have ever done it. And so one way you can do that and use this to teach kids how to lead a game is our friends at Limitless Adventure. Uh, who we met over at GaryCon in uh, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. And we saw them at GenCon as well. They have a set called DMless Adventures. It's a box set. Inside that box set are cards. And I think there's three decks of cards. And so each one of those decks of cards... Leads the party on an adventure, but you, you deal out the cards to every, I'm going to really simplify it here. So if, if they're listening, I'm not, I'm not trying to give it the entire set, but uh, you deal everybody a set of cards and you basically go around the table. You play the card and the card tells you the situation and all the cards link together, even though it's a deck, they, they still link together and they have a beginning and an end to this adventure. And you run the encounter that your card was. And then when your card is is resolved, it goes to the next person and they run their encounter. That's and cool. some of them are monster fights. Some of them are riddles. Some of them are uh, more like traps and situational kinds of things. But everybody at the table has a chance to play their hand I mean playing cards uh, play their hand at running a part of the adventure And we started playing that at a game club. So we you know We don't have enough dms in our in our game club But we have more so we have more kids than we have dms And so we have a waiting list to get into our games And so we brought this to game club this year for the first time and the kids had a ball In fact, I think there's a couple kids that would probably just rather stay and play the Limitless Adventures than go and join a a continual game. I think they're having so much fun playing through those. And those Mm -hmm. boxes, I got one right in front of me, but it's a little too far away to tell. I think the boxes are, one of them is first through fourth level. So you can bring your 5e characters. So we have stock 5e characters there that kids can choose from, or some of them that are are coming back will bring those. And then there's another box for, I believe, five through nine or five through eight. And so, you know, you can up the game as, as the kids gain experience. And what's cool is not only the characters are gaining experience, but the kids, the players are gaining experience. Yeah. And it was one of our players, Dan, that said, after playing that, said, I think I'm ready to DM. And I was glad because he was someone that I was targeting for next year. <laughs> For next year to be a DM. So I love that he gained that confidence by playing that game.
2: I love that. What what great to use an educational term, what great scaffolding, right? Like the the ultimate expression, mm-hmm. the ultimate goal is players to become dungeon masters. I mean, there's the there's the analogy of life of, of education, right? Like they come to us as players, they leave as DMs. And I love that that's a great fun <laughs> way to preview that that experience in a way that doesn't feel heavy-handed. I love it. Before, before we go, I definitely want to do like a quick PSA. Can I do that? Oh, 100%. Go for it. Right. I, I, again, mm-hmm. inspired by you all so much that you talk about uh, this in so many different contexts and, and episodes. But the idea of shopping local, if there's an opportunity that one of these things, maybe it's the Limitless Cards, or maybe it's the, the Monster Knows What It's Doing book, or maybe it's the Adventure Sense. But if it's an opportunity to, or opens up an opportunity to go to a local game shop, and say, hey, do you have this item, or could you get this item? You know, there's a win-win-win possible here. First off, you can support a local game shop by buying the product with them. Secondly, they might go, hey, that Limitless card thing, that sounds cool. I think I might get a couple, three, five decks of those, and Limitless would be happy. And last but not least, the next person that comes in who hears this podcast or from a friend and says, I want one of those, I mean, they'll buy it. And it becomes this virtuous uh, circle, right? And if not that, maybe even trying to buy direct for some of the vendors directly. You know, I mean, there's the big box places and, and stuff too. And I, I, I buy them as well. I'm not trying to be too virtuous here that I never go to those places. But if there's an opportunity to even like, hey, I hear there's a new game shop. Well, that gives you an excuse to go visit one. It'd be wonderful to kind of spread the wealth of these gifts with by sharing it with them. Because those, those are the people that keep these games alive, have done it for decades as things wax and wane. So, that's my little PSA to to support your local
1: game shop. I love it. I think it's it's very important because they build a culture in a community and it's it's a larger culture than we can in the schools, but if we plant that seed in students in our schools how much fun and how valuable playing role playing games are, then they move to that larger community of a local game store and support the economy, support a community, build friendships and things like that. And I think that's, I mean, that's really, to me, I mean, I I love playing the games for the fun, but in teaching them, I love, I love making all those connections. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Well, (laughs) this has been great. Adam, it's always so great to visit with you and hear what you're up to and I love your ideas. You're so educationally focused and um, and your, mm-hmm. your ideas for each one of your items was wonderful. So I hope someone listening to this is looking around at their school. If they're not the one, you know, they just love RPG games, but have never tried it in their classroom, or you're looking and saying, hey, my neighbor has been looking at trying to get games started, or maybe they've been These are some great ideas to get things started. So I appreciate, Dan, your ideas and Adam, yours. I would say if you have any ideas out there for our listeners, for things to buy, to get things started for a teacher, let us know on social media. We are on Twitter, at Dungeon Teachers. And then we're on Instagram and Facebook, at Teachers in the Dungeon. And then if you've got a long list, you got a Santa list, you know extensive, (laughs) send us an email teachersinthedungeon at gmail.com For Adam Watson and Dan Ream, I am Tom Gross and have a great time out holiday shopping Uh, let the the joy of the season come in and of course, until next time, keep rolling those 20s. See you later, folks
2: That wraps up today's session, so thank you for listening to Teachers in the Dungeon We appreciate you and your feedback. Until the next time we see you in the dungeon, we hope you roll high on those saving throws. If you enjoyed the show and want to hear what happens in the adventure, subscribe to the podcast. Have questions, thoughts, or ideas? Check the show notes for our website and our contact information. This podcast is not affiliated or endorsed by Wizards of the Coast Hasbro or any other third-party Dungeons & Dragons entity. Teachers in the Dungeon is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds and any other related items are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders in the U.S. or abroad. The official
1: Dungeons & Dragons website can be found at www.dnd.wizards.com.